Final Take, where your hosts, I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we discuss our trailer pitches, and we review Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, and everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Everything. Everywhere. All at once. <laughs> Let, let me just say, before we really start diving into this, sure. between some of the trailers and series between like Disney and Marvel mm-hmm. and and HBO slash Warner Brothers, the multiverse is is hot right now. Oh yeah, we're really getting into things between Marvel's multiverse. I think uh, we have a, a side multiverse with everything and everywhere all at once. And now we have the DC multiverse, which I don't know. They don't call it really. They don't really call it a multiverse. They call it something. Well, it's all like the Earth one Earth, whatever. Yeah, it's the infinite Earths. It's the infinite, the Earths. infinite Earths. That's right. There's probably going to be a crisis here soon. <laughs> I imagine there will be. There's Maybe. certainly a crisis with uh, with what's happening to Flash. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know what's what the situation is with that, but if we're going to talk a little bit of uh, entertainment news, I just don't know what's going on, man. This guy's getting in trouble all the time. A lot of these younger actors, they just want to be out on the scene all the time, and I don't know, yeah. just getting into trouble and all that other kind of stuff. I thought those days were kind of over, but I don't pay attention to any younger celebrities, so everybody... No, you, you give young people money and influence, yeah. it's going to happen, right? Yeah. What do they say? Like money, money exposes your true character. <laughs> That's true. That's and true. Ezra Miller is um, certainly finding ways to <laughs> to not endear himself to law enforcement. <laughs> well, obviously they're doing uh, Flashpoint or a modification of Flashpoint, and there's going to be all kinds of different Flash yeah. characters and different Flashes that are different actors too. I, I'd assume. There's no telling. I mean, I, I think they're replacing Ben Affleck with Michael Keaton coming back and then just getting rid of Ben Affleck. And uh, mm-hmm. from what I heard, he's in the film. And, and then they could completely erase Ezra Miller. From what I understand, they may erase the entire Snyderverse. They already have an actor that has experience playing the Flash on the CW that is yep. beloved by fans. Grant Gustin. Grant Gustin. I have not watched it. An episode of that Flash. It's so good. You have to. It's because it's on the CW. I know you hate on the CW Arrowverse, but it's so good. I just hate on the CW. You know what? Good looking people. Yeah, good looking people with superpowers saving the day. I feel so inferior. There's nothing wrong with that. When I'm watching CW. (laughs) Like, ooh, I don't think I'm good looking enough to watch this show. Are only good looking people allowed to watch CW? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there is not an ugly person on CW. But Yeah, there's not. <laughs> no, there's not. They type they type them out when they audition. Nope. Who who let you in here? <laughs> who let all these normals in here? Who let all these normals in here? All right. You people are too regular. Beige. All right, let's get into the trailer pitches. We got a we got a, quite a list of trailer pitches. Let's let's knock them down. Yeah, yeah. I I tried to pare them down. Uh, I I tried to pare them down, but 
the list that we have here is the pared down list of these might be worth checking out. Yeah, that's and, that's and quite so a list. There was probably a good like five or six more that I was like, it's too much. It's too much. So yeah, this is the list that we got. Well, let's start out with Moonage Daydream. I think this is one that you're going to appreciate, Tim. Oh, it is. The trailer pitch for this one is the David Bowie documentary we all deserve. There you go. Uh, yeah, when I saw Moonage Daydream, I was thinking, was it going to be a dramatized David Bowie thing or what? And it turns out it's a documentary, so I can appreciate that all the more. Looks fantastic. Yeah. Can't wait. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. know. And it covers all of his eras of of David Bowie, which is which is awesome. He would do a lot of odd interviews and people would just ask really weird questions. And he's And he's, strangely enough, he's a really funny guy with a great sense of humor, but they really kind of treated him like an outcast when they, when he ever did press. So it'll be good to kind of watch this. So he was doing the androgynous thing before long before it was cool. Yeah. He was the first. <laughs> so. That's right. Breaking new ground. Yeah. Okay. Coming up from focus features, vengeance. All right. The pitch on this one is true crime podcasts are so hot right now. So, from what I gather on this trailer, amazingly, written, directed, and starring BJ Novak from The Mm -hmm. Office, and he plays a podcaster who's investigating the death slash murder of a girl that he dated, and it looks like there's a bit of comedy, there's a bit of drama, there's intrigue of like, why is this guy out here doing a podcast on this murder. Right. I was trying to formulate a pitch around only murders in Texas or like a play on only murders in the building because it 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 oh yeah it has a lot of looks like it shares some DNA with that where it's a, a bit of comedy drama in yeah. there and it's around a, a true crime podcast. But but I was thinking the office meets no country for old men. Oh yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Meet, there you go. meets meets only murders in the building. That's right. All wrapped into one. Let's check out from MGM, 3,000 years of longing. (laughs) Now this trailer. So the pitch is what a nightmare fever dream Aladdin would be if it was directed by George Miller, which this trailer looks completely bonkers. Oh, it looks so crazy. And it's starring Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. It looks so bizarre and yet... I watched it like three times. <laughs> There's something captivating about this trailer, and I think it might be a good movie. Like, it feels original. Yeah, it's kind of in line with, with a everyone everywhere all at once, where it's just really bizarre out there kind of kind of a film. So I'm, I'm excited for something like this. I, this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I think it's, it's basically like a, a woman finds a genie in a bottle, and instead of going right in to making her wishes, she examines the history of making wishes <laughs> right. and has the genie kind of tell her his history. So it looks it looks pretty good. It looks good. Yeah, it was uh, who's that Monty Python director or the Monty Python actor who became a director? He di- directed things like Baron Munchausen, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, Terry Gilliam. It looks something like a Terry Gilliam film off the wall. Yeah. All right. Coming to Paramount Plus, South Park, The Streaming Wars. After watching this trailer, other than it being a South Park event, making 
I'm guessing making fun of the streaming platforms. I have no idea mm-hmm. what it's about. It's like a 30 second trailer of Cartman being Cartman. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so, so I guess the trailer pitch could be Cartman going Cartman on all this, all the streaming services. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that's about. I mean, South Park's always at the the edge of whatever's going on, current events. So that ought to, this ought to be an interesting little thing. I haven't really watched South Park in a long, long time. Yes. It's been one of those things. And plus with small kids. Oh, yeah. There's only so much that you can watch. I know. The small kids gravitate toward it because it looks so simple. And then and it looks like the stuff that they watch. And then all of a sudden, flipping channels, you're on Comedy Central and you see South Park. And they're like, oh, let's stop and watch this. No, no, <laughs> sorry. Like, no. You cannot watch this. So this is why we cut the cord. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like, like that. It, you're like maybe in like 10 years, kid. <laughs> well, no, we. it was funny because we cut the cord mainly because of things like this, but also because of commercials. You'd watch Paw Patrol and there'd be 20 minutes of commercials. They won't run any commercials in the middle of it, but there'll be 20 minutes of commercials of nothing but I want, I want, I want. We got rid of cable. And oh, oh, let me pick it up. Yeah, because I think I know where you're going. I think I know you're going with this. Uh-huh. We recently went on vacation and we cut the cord a long time ago. Like uh-huh. my kids, they're going to grow up. They, they've basically grown up not knowing what a commercial is or more than 30 seconds of commercials. Right. And we're on vacation in the hotel room. And one of the days we're you know trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're just kind of going to be a lazy vacation day. So my son turns on the TV and we put it on Disney Junior for him because mm-hmm. it's age appropriate. Two and a half minutes of straight toy commercials. Yeah. The whole time, even after the commercials have ended, when the show started again, he's like, hey, remember that where they are showing that toy? Can I have that? We're like, yeah. no. <laughs> with us, we moved to the streaming apps at, with Roku and before Disney Plus, we had the Disney Junior app, and this was around the time yeah. that Venom was being released in the movie theater. And you're sitting here watching Doc McStuffins intercut with little 30 second ads for Venom and little five year old kids. That's not <laughs> that's not very exciting when when it's bedtime. So, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, got to watch what these kids watch. All right. Well, let's let's press on here on Netflix. Spiderhead. Yeah, the pitch on this one is the the shrugging emoji cuz I, <laughs> I had to watch this trailer like 3 times. I have no idea what it's about. I mean, yeah. it it seems like it seems like there so it's starring Chris Hem, Hem Chris Hemsworth. And it looks like he's the head of this research firm and Mm -hmm. they're bringing all these people to test out a drug and just insanity ensues, it it appears. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be really high on my list to watch. It just looks so odd. Anything that's really super bizarre. I just love it. Yeah. 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 I think they reach really deep the algorithm to, to, to create this one. Totally. All right. Coming to Prime Video. There was a teaser for the terminal list. The pitch on this one is one part the Manchurian Candidate, one part Lone Survivor, and a dash of Rambo. <laughs> yeah, I did see a little Manchurian Candidate in that one. So this one, yeah, yeah. So this one is starring another Chris, Chris Pratt. It look, I think it's based on a book. 
He plays a Navy SEAL who it looks like his team was wiped out. But then when he returns stateside, there's a big conspiracy and it's his his memories were wiped. And at some point mm-hmm. he's going for revenge. That's where that little the dash of Rambo. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be but, interesting. You know, it seems like, you know, where where Hollywood mirrors what's going on in society. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theories are, are real big <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> and uh, you certainly see it in, in the terminal list. Yeah, it looks a little weird. I'll watch it, definitely. All right, coming to the coming up from Warner Brothers, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. This is one of those Rocky and Bullwinkle pitches here. It's either the Moulin Rouge of Elvis movies or Baz Luhrmann presents the female gaze. <laughs> yeah, apparently this thing is was at a film festival. Got uh, 18-minute standing ovation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean... The trailers that I've seen really focus on not just the swing and hips, but a lot of crotch shots. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, the reason why it's the Moulin Rouge of Elvis movies, it's the the reason why it's the Moulin Rouge of Elvis movies is obviously Baz Luhrmann directed that as well. And sure. watching this trailer and the one before that, you can definitely see it's of his style. And of course, the title of the the movie Baz Luhrmann's Elvis certainly lends to if you watch this, you're in for a ride. Yeah, I can't tell if it's a Moulin Rouge type film, an Elvis film or a Tom Hanks film, but it's very colorful. I would say the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) With a lot of swinging, gyrating hips and cross shots. That was very scandalous back then. Well, let's let's look at something that that kind of piqued my interest here. AMC Plus. Correct me if I'm wrong. This this is not going to AMC. Just AMC Plus on the app. Interview with a vampire. Yeah, I I think it's going to the app. But the pitch on this is what's old is new again, Tim. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know the well received Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt '90s version. Not good enough. We got to redo it for TV. I know. And, and, you know, sometimes I think it may be a a wise choice because I liked the Tom Cruise version of it. But when it's based on a book, you know, you really have to cut a lot out. You cut a lot of cut a lot of plot points out. And this seems like it may actually uh, work pretty well as a series. You could also be right. I think we've said it on this uh, on our pod several times that TV is a much better medium for adapting books right versus movies you get a lot more runway versus a two or three hour movie and you don't have to cut as many plot points out you can really dive deep into the the source material so they might have something there yeah that's true so i'm i'm kind of looking forward to that well another series netflix season three of the umbrella academy all right and the pitch on this is the Umbrella Academy into the multiverse. <laughs> My thoughts on this one was the Umbrella Academy going into Back to the Future 2. <laughs> where, where they into go to the alternate reality. <laughs> yes. Where, 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 Biff, yes. Where, where Biff is a casino owner. <laughs> That's right. And one day 
there's this wild, crazy old man and a kid who's going to ask about the <laughs> Gray's all Sports Almanac. I didn't think it would be you. Uh, classics. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Now, I, I really oh, yeah. like the Umbrella Academy. So I'm, I'm really excited for this one. It looks bonkers because they jump into an alternate version yeah. where they actually face the alternate version of themselves. Sure. Uh, it should be interesting. Yeah. I'm only, I stopped halfway through season two. Uh, I don't know why I didn't finish it, but I think it was a couple's thing and then it turned into, I don't feel like watching it. So I never watched it again. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, so. it's good. I, you know, the the Umbrella Academy, they've done a really good job of subverting a lot of common superhero tropes and storylines and telling it from a different angle, I guess, which is why I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I'm lining up. I'm watching this probably in one sitting as soon as it drops. Uh, also on Netflix, The Gray Man. This looks really good. Before I do the pitch, just understand it's from the Russo brothers. That's probably all the pitch that you need. (laughs) But the thing that stood out to me, and this is the pitch, Comfort Chris Evans has a heel. Stay for his magnificent stash. (laughs) Oh, it's gorgeous. (laughs) I mean, he continues his post-Captain America run in these roles where he's more of the heel versus the the, uh, America's hero. Right. Uh, and this looks really this looks really good. It looks like a it's like a spy. I guess it's like a spy thriller. So it looks like it. It's a bit of the born born movies where mm-hmm. there's an assassin like a the best assassin is being pursued by his former organization and they're trying to kill him. It looks good. You know, I, I want to say this is the nexus. You got Chris movies and you got Ryan movies. And this is where a Chris meets a Ryan. And <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And it's directed by the Russo brothers. That's right. I believe That's this right. is their second, their second outing after uh, Avengers Endgame. What was their first? Cherry, which I don't know oh, if it's okay. out yet or if it came out is with, with Tom Holland. I don't think is I don't think it received like a wide release. I think it might've gone straight to streaming or it may not have released yet. I'm not sure. Oh, it's out. Okay. I might have missed that one. Okay. But the gray man certainly looks like in the vein of probably what you're used to from the Russo brothers. So Cool. Nice. I can't wait. Yes. Well, we're going to be talking about them a little later in the episode. So, But moving on here from Prime Video, season three of The Boys. <laughs> I'm going to do my I'm going to do my best butcher here. Here's the pitch. Diabolical. <laughs> Diabolical. Diabolical. <laughs> yeah. My my Australian accent just isn't quite up to snuff. I think you I think you gotta take a crack at it. Diabolical. He's British. <laughs> I no, still not. Oh yeah, I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't do that word, but if you know, he should do some Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah, maybe. So um, that would be kind of. Cool. I mean. It looks like it picks up right after season two, and it looks like it's going to be bonkers, just Off like the, the previous rails. Two Pepper's going to need some new shorts on this one for me. <laughs> I, 
I can't wait. All right. Let's get into the two tent poles at the end here. Yeah. These are the ones you're waiting for. All right. From Paramount, also known as the Tom Cruise Studios, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. So besides that mouthful of a, of a title, the pitch on, that one, on this one is Tom Cruise running a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Which means which means you know it's gonna be good because I think I, I think I saw a story somewhere where someone broke down the correlation between the amount of time Tom Cruise spent running on film and how it affected the rating of his films. And apparently the more he runs in his movies, the better they perform. So oh. if this trailer is any indication, there's no less than three extended Tom Cruise running scenes. Nice. Well, that's pretty awesome. See, this is why Mission Impossible 2 was terrible for two reasons. He didn't do a lot of running in it, number one. And number two, it was the third movie in the John Woo trilogy where he successfully made the same movie three times. <laughs> Face Off, Broken Arrow. No, was it Broken Arrow? Yes, Broken yeah, Arrow. Yeah, Broken Arrow. And then Mission Impossible 2. Same exact yeah. movie. Three times. Hey, you got to cash those checks, man. Hey, you know, that's why he's still out there, right? Yep. I don't know what he's directing. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I love me a Tom Cruise movie, man. He's as crazy as a football bat, but I dig me a Tom Cruise movie. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks good. And I, look, he could keep making these as long as his body's holding up. Even then, at some point. You know, like they're talking about how this might be the swan song for Ethan Hunt. Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. And and I guess you can tell because it's a part one of a two-parter, I imagine. If he wants to be like in his 60s and the team leader and the the coordinator of the Impossible Mission Task Force, I'm okay with that too. He doesn't have to run. Or maybe like they can do shots of him like running down the halls of the agency from like his office to the war room. So you could still get Tom Cruise running scenes in there, but more yeah. age appropriate. True. Well, I noticed that he's keeping his shirt on a whole lot more, which is kind of cool from a 60 year old dude, <laughs> but which we appreciate. But uh, um, I'm excited because Kittredge is back. <laughs> and I think he was probably one of the best parts of, uh, of, of the mission impossible franchise at the beginning. But, but uh Yeah. Kittredge oh, is back. He he really the shirts stay on. He really makes a meal of that scene where he's telling Ethan Hunt to pick a side. Like he really makes a meal out of that scene. Oh, I know. He's so good. You know, he was in Clear and Present Danger. So good. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one. Marvel Studios. Thor. Love and Thunder. Tim, I could go on and on about all the different storylines and you know, craft some sort of like funny line for each of them. I'm just going to say Lady Thor. And then on my comments is the mic drop emoji. <laughs> well, there you go. Because Natalie Portman is Lady Thor. Let's go, man. I'm I'm in. I know. She's, she's ripped too. She got absolutely jacked. And what they show of Natalie Portman as Lady Thor and interacting with Chris Hemsworth. Obviously they've given her Mm -hmm. a lot more to do in this one than the previous outings where she was just like 
more window dressing. So yeah, I- I'm I'm ready for it. Well, I'm expecting some kind of twist on that. They're gonna pull a rug out from under us. I, they're either gonna pass the torch or they're gonna pull a rug out. And we'll see. Could be both. Could be both. That's correct. So, and Christian Bale looks very Christian Bale in this. Christian Bale looks like a nightmare. He looks like an alien Patrick Bateman. <laughs> he looks frightening. Oh yeah, the God Butcher. Unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know a thing about his character. Yeah, I don't either. But knowing that he's being portrayed by Christian Bale tells you that it's going to be one intense, seething ride. All right. Well, those are our trailer pitches. Very exciting. Let's get into the, uh, well, let's start with the little appetizer, which is going to be the first film that we look at, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which is streaming exclusively on Disney+. And this Rescue Rangers opus stars John Mulaney and Andy Samberg as the titular characters, with also with Will Arnett, Eric Bana, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, and Kiki Lane. Based on the animated series of the same name, this live-action-slash-animated film serves as a decades-later continuation of the Rescue Rangers. When a former castmate mysteriously disappears, Chip and Dale must repair their broken friendship and take on their Rescue Rangers detective personas once again to save their friend's life. And that friend is Monterey Jack. <laughs> T- uh, Tim, what are your first impressions? Uh, hmm. It was a pretty cool nostalgic trip, I should say. But otherwise, it was all right. Oh, really? My yeah. first impressions is who, who framed Roger Rabbit for our kids? And who framed Roger Rabbit? That came out when I was, um, I think it was in high school when that came out. And and actually, incidentally, I was going into high school when the original Rescue Rangers uh, came out. So it really wasn't my thing at the time. So oh, yeah. yeah. So that's also why you know it's it's one of those things where it's like okay, you know, it's I'm sorry, it, man. It's not bad. You missed out. I always forget. I always forget that you're older than I am. Yeah, I I didn't watch as much cartoons. I watched stuff like Leave It to Beaver and The Brady Bunch. You throw down some Brady Bunch trivia, man. I'll I'll tear anybody up. I wasn't too into late '80s, early '90s cartoons, so that's why I was just okay. But it was interesting, kind of introducing this to my kids. So that, but but also seeing some of the references. That was probably the most entertaining part of it for me. Just looking it up, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the the cartoon, came out in 89 and 90. So I was eight and nine years old at the time. <laughs> oh, there you go. So it was right in my wheelhouse, Yeah, uh, which makes sense that for you going into high school, it would have been like, I, there's a cartoon about Chippendale. <laughs> I was looking at girls, man. Yeah, you had just discovered girls. (laughs) My voice was changing. I sounded like Peter Brady speaking up, walking up to the girls. Hey, how's it going? So that was my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's probably it it probably resonates more with people of my age to my brother's age. So like, yeah, right. Under 40, over 30. It's going to resonate more, I think. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure. 
I'm sure. But it was uh, uh it was it was entertaining to say the least after I woke up. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. It was fun to be able to introduce it to to my son because I because I've tried to to watch the original cartoons with him and they didn't quite stick. But I think after watching this movie, which he really enjoyed, we'll probably give it a give it a go again um, yeah. and, and see if he likes it. But I definitely got that. First and foremost, it was wait, they made a live action Chippendales reboot. And then and then how they went about it, about it, where it was more like the behind the scenes, the the life of a cartoon in Hollywood, a cartoon yeah. character in Hollywood, um, similar to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, I, I, I was entertained. So considering it, it may not have <laughs> it may not have resonated with you as much. Was there anything that you that you liked? Like what what worked for you? Uh, I thought the concept was actually a lot better. You know, instead of just out just doing a reboot of things, you know, just doing doing a more of a conceptual return to the characters, you know, by having that that background story, how they had the falling apart and all that kind of stuff. And correct me if I'm wrong, the original show they had chipmunky voices like Alvin and the Chipmunks, right? They did. They did. Okay. Yeah, I thought bringing them in with John Mulaney and Andy Samberg was a whole lot better. So much better than to do Alvin and the Chipmunks style voices. Doing it all around for Chipmunks, it's like, here's Chipmunks, here's that that kind of thing. Change it up a little bit. I thought it was, that was pretty good. What about you? I, I thought it was clever how they did it. You're right. Instead of doing a straight up reboot of, we're going to pretend that no time has passed in between the end of the series and today, right? They they decided to make a real high concept <laughs> version of it, which yeah. coming from Disney, I think that's what worked is that historically they've been so buttoned up about how their characters are portrayed and how they're animated and presented, right? I mean, like Walt Disney was known for famously like, being really hardcore of how the characters are presented. And obviously that's like permeated through their culture in the intervening time. But to see a lot of what they did with the characters in terms of like how they've aged over time, the things that they've gone through, right? Peter Pan, the grown up Peter Pan being the villain. I mean, I thought that oh, was yeah. great. That was pretty You fun. know? And, you know, obviously all the crossovers and the callbacks to – late 80s 90s i mean i i was watching a thing where they said it was definitely like a love letter to saturday morning cartoons and like the afternoon um disney cartoons but what they also said was if we're gonna do this we have to include everybody it can't just be all the disney properties and so they actually did a lot of work to get all those crossovers from like having he-man in there and you know, Ugly Sonic and, and all of that, all, all those different crossovers, they, they, they worked. I guess they put the uh, the Disney legal team into overdrive to, to make sure that they got all those crossovers and all those cameos. Yeah, no doubt. That was definitely probably the best part of the entire film was having all those all those little crossovers and every single property that Disney now owns since they're gobbling everything up. And throwing it all in there. I thought what was really funny, though, is, is, is the whole concept of knockoff cartoons, you know, because you see a lot of that 
in you know come emerging from other countries it was just something that's that's out there it was it was definitely a funny concept and, and then you know some of like the little details for a cartoon if they were <laughs> if they were going to do the cartoon version of plastic surgery it would be <laughs> the cgi makeover <laughs> that dale got those little things those little jokes and then where are we at we're in the valley the uncanny valley little jokes like that were you might not have gotten it on the first run where you're watching with your kids. I watched it twice. So I watched it with my son first. And then after that, like, oh, I rewatched it later because uh, I knew I missed a bunch of the jokes in there. It was just real clever, like all the little callbacks and, and, uh, and the things that they included. I probably wouldn't watch it again, but it, but it, it, was, it was cool taking a little trip down, down memory lane, seeing a lot of things like that. So. What about uh, what didn't work for you? It felt a little bit on the nose that it was kind of like the Roger Rabbit for our kids. This version of of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Where there's even a scene where they bring up Roger Rabbit and they make a reference to Jessica Rabbit and all that. That that felt a little bit on the nose. And, And there were a few times where some of the jokes seemed a little bit forced, which I guess when you're doing a children's, like a family movie like this, some of the comedy can feel a bit, a bit forced. You know, there are definitely times where, where I felt like they're being a little extra. As a whole, I enjoyed it, but there mm-hmm. were definitely parts where I, I kind of like rolled my eyes of like, Ugh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Trying to cram all the jokes in. Yeah. I will say what you, you had mentioned before, where it was like, where they did the voices of, of Annie Sandberg and uh, John Mulaney uh, mm-hmm. as, as Chip and Dale. It was actually hard at first where, again, I grew up with it. And so <laughs> I'm used to the chipmunk voices. And then hearing a regular human, especially like Andy Samberg narrating, right. that was that was hard to get past at first. Eventually it kind of came around, but that made it a little for rough going at first. For How me, that you? that really wasn't a... Um... That really wasn't an issue for me because obviously I didn't watch the original. But yeah, I don't really think anything didn't necessarily work for me. It was just okay. I watched it with my kids and and it was um, yeah, it was just it was just fine. It was just it was a perfectly adequate film. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say anything didn't work. I mean, I see how they try to cram as many references in there and jokes in there as they could at times it was overdone but it is what it was it was what it was it is what it is whatever another thing now that i think about it another thing that didn't work for me was how are you gonna do a rescue rangers reboot and we're only gonna get two minutes of monterey jack and gadget and zipper there's three-fifths of the team that barely got any screen time well hey man that's that's two minutes that's the most two minutes I've had of Rescue Rangers ever. <laughs> I just I thought it was interesting. So for the things that didn't work for me, they're more like nitpicks and things that were kind of mildly distracting and that just kind of made the pacing kind of weird. You know, overall, I enjoyed it. But I mean, those things were just they're hard to get over at first. And then especially like by the end of it, I was, we hardly had any any of the other Rescue Rangers. What? <laughs> So, yeah. That's for the sequel. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the, the inevitable sequel. Or the squeakquel. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going for it, man. <laughs> so. w- w- watch. It'll be 
Chippendales Rescue Rangers, the Squeakle. <laughs> All right. It is time to make your final take. Is it a watch? Is it a stream? Or is it a skip? I'd say it's a it's a solid stream for me. And probably more for me so because it was a good nostalgia trip. It was an mm-hmm. interesting take on doing a reboot for them. Uh, for the Rescue Rangers, for one of those childhood properties for me. Family family content. Can't right. go wrong with new family content. Yeah. I agree you? with that. I would say it's it's a solid stream. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't really go out and watch it right away or anything like that, but I, I wouldn't necessarily skip it either, you know, as someone who has a family. However, if I was in high school or college or something like that, I'd probably say it's a skip, but you know, mine's on other things at that point. <laughs> Not focusing on Chip and Dale and the rescue race. <laughs> Much like high school, Tim, if you were still in high school today, you'd probably still skip it. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless I met a girl that wanted me to watch it, then it would be a stream. <laughs> you know, because I was in high school. <laughs> All right. <laughs> probably time to move on. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, it'd be a skip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, we got we got our take on the Chippendale Rescue Rangers streaming on Disney Plus, and now for our next film, we will provide our take on everything, everywhere, all at once, which is making its digital debut on June seventh. Everything, everywhere, all at once is written and directed by Dan Kwan and Dan Shiner, and it stars Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu. Kihi Kwan, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the legendary James Hong. When an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. Tim, your first impressions. First impressions. I mean, wow. This This film is a lot to unpack. Yeah. Because you just don't know what what's happening throughout most of the film, but it's incredibly fascinating, and you just can't wait to get to the next part. Yes, yeah. My first impressions. I'm just gonna skip right to the end. Go watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, just watch it. <laughs> I I think I texted you after uh-huh. I watched it, and I said that might be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And yeah. I still stand by it. I still stand by it. This movie, like its title, is everything. It's everything. All at once. All at once. All at once. So so what worked for you? Let's let's dive in. It was a freaking very crazy. It was a ride. It wasn't a movie. It was a ride. Are you following me on that one? I agree. It was like no other. And and let's talk multiverse for a second. Because you've got Marvel throwing the multiverse out. You got the infinite earths of DC that's coming out later in the year. They're really coming out with the jugular on this. And it was, a and just to let you know, it was produced by the Russo brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much involvement they had, um, but I, I mean, I could, I could see a little bit of their stamp on there, but it was just so such a trip to go on throughout this entire film. 
I actually cannot wait to watch it a second time, but I'm spoiling my end. So take it away. I, it's so much. <laughs> I'm like speechless still, still processing it. I've already watched it twice and yeah. it's so many genres all packed into one, right? So yeah. on the surface, it's this crazy sci-fi adventure with a kung fu movie thrown in there with a slapstick comedy thrown in there and when you least suspect it then they hit you over the head with oh but that's also a family drama right um and in terms of the scope of what they're doing incredible i mean what an ambitious what an ambitious movie and, and all the things that they wanted to pack into it, all of like the humor and the zaniness and the like, they pushed every universe to its absolute nth degree. And then you have this like this little this family drama in the middle of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And somehow they pulled it all off where it's yeah, you're right where it's a ride and Every little bit is so interesting. There's so many details of, I mean, even like off screen on a random table in the background, there's like all kinds of like details and little references, you know, within the multiverse that they've built for this movie. Um, and, and it just, it was so well thought out, so well written, incredible, incredibly acted. And, you know, the, the fight choreograph. I'd be hard pressed to find a movie with, you know, a movie out now or in the last few years that has action scenes as well choreographed and and with as much action as the ones in this film. And then a really great family drama in the middle of it, which I can certainly relate to having an Asian mother where Michelle Yeoh is the, the main character. She plays the mother in this. Evelyn is her character. Having an Asian mother, I can certainly relate to the family drama that's at the center of this film. And so I, I was, I know I'm, I feel like I've been talking a lot, <laughs> but like yeah. this movie was so impressive. I, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, that, that was one thing that I was thinking about having married into essentially your family, knowing a lot of the family drama that, that kind of circles this. It's it's very much reminiscent of that. On the other hand, it was very simple, but incredibly complex yeah. at the same time. And I I have to tout really quick the performances. Let, let's start. Yeah. I'm I'm going to start with James Hong, man, all the way back to sure. Big Trouble in Little China. He's 93 years old. <laughs> yeah. So good, so amazing, but. Kihi Kwan, who was data in Goonies. Yep. He, I don't know what happened. He, they picked him up off the shelf, dusted him off, put him in this movie. So real quick, I read something on, on him because it was like, you're right. They like picked him up and dusted him off, right? A triumphant return for him. And a lot of it, from what I've read, he stepped away from Hollywood because there just weren't any roles for Asians other than sidekicks and bad guys. And, you know, he got really frustrated with that. And so he stepped away from Hollywood because there just wasn't any compelling work for him to do 
for him to want to keep doing it. Yeah, I did. I did hear about that. What a performance from him. He was at times he was grown up data from Goonies. And then at other yeah. times he was just complete. He was five other people yeah. just completely different. What a performance, especially being that cold for so many years, not exercising your your acting muscles to just sink into this role, uh, roles, really, and to knock it out of the park was yeah. just bravo to yeah. him. I mean, that I mean, uh, granted, Michelle Yeoh, you expect nothing but amazing performances from her, uh, you know, this entire cast. But I mean, Ki Kwan, I mean, wow. Every little universe was it was it a universe? Every Earth that they were on. It was it, you know, when you think about it, it was actually kind of a combination of Marvel and DC with the Earths and the multiverse, the references to both of them. Sure. But sure. um he just went, he was a grown man at, in a tuxedo and he was the guy who was trying to find the right Evelyn. And it, it was just, wow. I mean, his yeah. performance just freaking blew me away. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, he played at least three versions of the character, like you mentioned. Yeah. And, and just, the way that they were all so vastly different and the physicality involved. Yeah. So the alpha version of what was his name? Waymond. I think that was yeah. <laughs> Waymond. So, so the alpha alpha Waymond, the physicality of the martial arts involved. And then just the way that that character carries himself as opposed to almost every other version of, of Waymond where, you know, he owns, he owns a struggling laundromat where he's like really meek, but yeah, kind of endearing but kind of put upon right kind of a bit of like a bit of a sad sack he's real silly and then the version of wayman that that didn't get together with evelyn where you know he's like a successful businessman and like he's a a totally different portrayal of that character too i mean he did really good i know he did amazing yeah and i would say he was definitely the highlight of the show but stephanie shu fantastic and with all her little costume changes and just oh she, yeah her character kind of came out of nowhere you know she was a bit of an afterthought uh, until about halfway through yeah, the film yeah and since i've watched the first time i'll randomly be walking around and the most random thing pops in my head is everything on a bagel <laughs> yeah it just makes me laugh yeah, it it was kind of crazy, so crazy, such a crazy ride. But let's let's take it down to: is there anything that? No, I already know. Well, no. I figured you, you already <laughs> answered it. I didn't have to answer that. Yeah, it was good, man. This is a near perfect film, I would say. Um, just incredibly amazing. There's nothing bad I can say about this. It, yeah, you know, my I, wife was out of town. There's when nothing I bad it. I can say about this. I'm hard pressed to even find something to nitpick about this because it's it's one of those where Marvel and DC and anybody else that's doing a version like a multiverse, infinite universes, 
they'd be hard pressed to do better. And I would say at times there's a lot of real Rick and Morty vibes in this, but mm-hmm. I'd say they, they even did it better. And they probably wrote the end of the final season of Rick and Morty as well, because there's the common thread of if you are able to access multiple versions, infinite versions of yourself and pop into infinite realities, does anything really matter? Right. And obviously this film seeks to answer that, which I think they, I think they did really well because it wasn't a neat bow that was tied onto it. Right. It was real expectations for real life in terms of yeah, what gets you that up is true. and gets you going every day. Right. And, and it wasn't the, the neatest, tightest resolution to a family drama, but it was real, uh, which I really appreciated from the very beginning. And obviously it, 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 it starts, starts off slow because it's got this entire infinite worlds to build yeah. uh, of these characters but as soon yeah. as they enter the IRS office, and I think most of the movie occurs in this in the IRS office, it just grips you and just never lets you go. And mm-hmm. there is so much packed in in I think the runtime was like two hours, a little over two hours. Yeah. Everything they packed into it, all the detail, all the background, these characters are believable. I, I can attest that um Michelle Yeoh playing the Asian mother, certainly believable. <laughs> yeah. And then Stephanie, Stephanie Hsu playing the Asian child that's trying to grow up in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I can say that character is certainly true to form and having the weight of, of expectations on you from, from overly demanding parent. That, that whole, the whole story there really resonated with me. I can't think of anything to not like or that did not work in this movie. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with you. And I just think it's one of those films that really should be a blueprint of originality where if screenwriters and filmmakers out there are going to go and put something down on paper or conceptualize an idea, shoot for something like this. You sure. know, it's not like they copied anything from comic book films. But at the same time, they came up with right. a, a completely original idea and executed it perfectly. And instead yeah. of going out and rebooting yeah. all kinds of stuff, look at something like this and use it as a blueprint to do your own thing, to create your own thing and make it completely different. It was it was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, versions of this, of the multiverse and infinite realities, it's been done versions of it, but just the originality that they brought to it. Yeah, this movie, like you have to watch it. I I know we're stepping all over. <laughs> I know we're stepping all over the ratings, but my gosh, this movie just there's so there's so much there's so many layers to it, and, and you have to yeah. watch it multiple times. And I'll tell you, on the second viewing, there was so much stuff that I picked up on that I didn't. I didn't see the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is, I was just going to say that this is one of those films where you're not going to have the same viewing each time you watch it. You're going to pick something up every time. All right. Well, I guess 
everyone can kind of get our tens of <laughs> listeners can probably guess where we stand on this and what our take is. Nelson. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, uh, you're it's a skip a, for sure. If, yeah. <laughs> if there, if there's a definition of a watch for this, yeah. for our podcast, this is it. It's, it's an absolute watch. Find a way to watch it in theater. I know it's it's coming in uh, streaming soon, and and I'm sure a lot of people watch it on streaming. But if you can get out to the theater and watch this, you absolutely yeah. should. You know how you referenced the Joe Coy film last time? What is it? Easter Sunday? Yeah. And you called it Crazy Middle Class. This Asians. is definitely yeah. Crazy Middle Class Asians in the multiverse. In the multiverse, of madness. <laughs> yeah. Crazy Middle Class Asians into the multiverse. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So. But yeah, this is this is definitely a this is a, a hard hard watch for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I look Marvel and DC and anyone else doing multiverse. They had to have watched this and been like, we have to do better because just the lengths that they pushed that idea and that concept and all the different places they went with it. I you know, I mean, incredible. Yeah, no doubt, Tim. Do you have a haiku review? You know what? As a matter of fact, I do. Oh, yes. Because this movie deserves. Deserve. Yes. And this is a review. high. I mean, it, it isn't hilarious or anything like that. It's just very reflective of, of the film. And it is truly a haiku review. Yes. This is everything. It's everywhere. All at once. This film is perfect. I love it. Mike drop on that one. <laughs> And we avoided having refrigerator as the last one. <laughs> so, and, well, one thing I'll say before we go: if this movie does not get Oscar consideration in the coming year, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because I'll wait to pass judgment. But my goodness, this movie is so good. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. Oh no, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, it is definitely. <laughs> Yeah, it'll qualify for because it was all it was released in 2022. It'll qualify for this year's Oscars. The only thing is is because it was released at the beginning of the year, will people forget about it by the end of the year? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm worried about is yeah. that there'll be an entire year's worth of mm-hmm. releases in between this and when they do the nominations. Sure. And this movie is so good. It's yeah. so perfect. It seems to have a lot of momentum. So I, I, I definitely think if the, if it could get a Best Picture nomination, then it'll it'll hit the theaters again. Yeah. I think it's broken all the records at A24. I did read for that. For box office. Even in the middle yeah. of a pandemic. And so you know that A24 is going to put everything they've got behind mm-hmm. it, putting together a campaign right. for it. Because... It, it's done that well for them. And I can't imagine they would let award season pass without putting their full, their yeah. full weight behind. Yeah, I definitely, behind this definitely agree with that. So, well, all right, that is our final take. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, give us five stars and a glowing review. So our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives that they will one day be able to eat caviar and go on shopping sprees. Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Take Pod. On Facebook at facebook.com slash The Final Take Pod. Email us at The Final Take Pod at gmail.com. 
and check out all of our episodes on our website, The Final Take Pod. Tune in next week for our music episode with special guest Tyler Hobbs. Until then. Thank you.